like a madman shouting firebrands or deadly arrows, is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. Like a coating of glaze over earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. Though his speech is charming, do not believe him, for seven abominations fill his heart. His malice may be concealed by deception, but his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. If a man digs a pit, he will fall into it. If a man rolls a stone, it will roll back on him. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattening mouth works ruin. Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be together. Is my mic on? Just making. All right, I got mine here, so I'll speak loudly until you until you get there. Uh, good to be together today. Uh, thank you for setting aside this time, this rainy spring day. Uh, God bless us as we gather together in the house of the Lord. Uh, a woman was pulled over by a police officer, and uh, as he approached her window, uh, the woman rolled down her window and said is there a problem, officer? He says, ma'am, you are speeding. Can I please see your driver's license? Well, my license was revoked due to drunk driving. Oh, I, I appreciate your honesty, ma'am. Could you at least show me your vehicle registration? Well, this isn't my car. I, I stole it. You stole it? Yeah, in fact, I kidnapped the owner. He's bound and gagged in the trunk. And at that, the police officer backed away from the car, got onto his radio, called for backup. Within minutes, five other police cruisers surrounded the scene. And the senior officer walked up to the woman's car, and she rolled down her window, and the officer said, ma'am, could you please step out of the car? Is there a problem, officer? Yes, ma'am. Uh, one of my officers tells me that you stole this car and kidnapped the owner. Stole? kidnapped? Yes, ma'am, could you please open the trunk? The woman went and opened the trunk, and there was nothing in it. Well, ma'am, uh, my officer tells me here that, that you don't even own this car. Well, and at that, she says, well, here's my vehicle registration. And somewhat stunned, the officer began to look it over. And he says, well, ma'am, this is in order, I see, my officer also tells me that you don't have a valid driver's license. You lost it due to drunk driving. She said, well, my driver's license is right here. She reached into her purse, pulled it out, and showed it to him. And he looked at that, and he says, well, ma'am, I got to tell you, one of my officers tells me that, that, that you stole this car, that you kidnapped the owner, that you, you lost your license due to drunk driving. And at that, the woman said, hmm. Given his track record, I wouldn't be surprised if he even tried to tell you that I was pulled over for speeding. <laughs> we all learn the sh early on in life the short-term benefits of lying. And we learn early on also how to do it rather subtly. 
according to a research book entitled, The Day America Told the Truth, 91% of Americans admit, admit that they lie routinely, 91%. 86% lie regularly to their parents, 73% to friends, or 75% to friends, 73% to siblings, 69% of spouses lie regularly to one another. No wonder Mark Twain once quipped, when in doubt, tell the truth. It will confound your enemies and astound your friends. It is said that there are two basic motivations for lying, fear and greed. We lie because we fear that if we are honest, something bad is going to happen to us. We fear either what people might think of us, if they knew the truth, or that there are going to be consequences for our actions. And then we lie out of greed because we want others to be impressed with us, even though we don't deserve it, or there's something that they have that, and we want it, and we'll do almost anything in order to get it. The truth is, from a spiritual standpoint, lying is a part of our sinful human nature. The Apostle Paul confronts us with this truth in us all when he writes, there is no one righteous, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. My friends, there is no denying this truth. Each and every one of us at one time or another is an Oscar-winning liar. Well, in contrast to our sinful nature is God's divine nature. In fact, in the book of Hebrew or in the book of Numbers we read God is not a man that he should lie. In fact, the scriptures tells us that God explicitly hates lying. In Proverbs chapter 6 we read there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness that pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. This is God's short list of things that are detestable to Him, and on this short list of God's is listed twice the sin of lying. And so today with the psalmist, we ask once again, search me, O God. See if there is any offensive way in me. And specifically today when we are saying, search me, O God, we are saying, O Lord, search me and see to what extent a lying tongue is a part of my way of life. Search me, O God, and lead me in the way everlasting. I want you to understand the reason why lying is detestable to God is because lying is so destructive to relationships and reputations. Our text towards the end uh, sums it up well. A lying tongue hates those it hurts. 
Solomon, the, the writer of this portion of Scripture, uh, he, uh, in essence, if you, if you look at it, he is portraying, he's bringing the tongue almost to life when he says a lying tongue. I mean, it sounds almost like a wild animal, a dangerous animal, like a poisonous snake or, or a rab, rabid dog. You can almost picture a lying tongue waiting to, to bite somebody or sitting in ambush, just, just waiting to strike for the right opportunity. In the New Testament, in the book of James, James writes, the tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. My friends, when we lie, it is actually an act of hatred. When we lie, we are despising people. When we lie, people get hurt. Relationships and reputations get ruined. And our text portrays this to us in three ways. And as we go through each of these way, ways, I want you to, to consider yourself to hear these in the context of the relationships which you enjoy in your life. First of all, those who are closest to you, your families, your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ, but consider also your social relationship, your community relationship, anytime where you work, where you go to school. Consider what lying can do to those relationships. First of all, a lying tongue hurts those who are lied to. And I like the imagery here that Solomon, our, our writer, uh, depicts here. He says, like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. I mean, the picture here is like an archer with, you know, bow and arrow, and he's got a pot of pine tar, and he's dipping the arrows into the pine tar, and then setting them on fire, and standing on the edge of a forest, and he's shooting them into the forest, laughing like a madman. <laughs> and then when confronted, he says, I didn't really mean it. I mean, I was just having some fun. I was just kidding around. I didn't think anything serious would come of this. A lie hurts those who are lied to because it devalues them. It sees them only as a means to an end, a means to where I get something and you lose something. When we lie, we are essentially saying this lie benefits me and will probably cost you. But I'm okay with that. Because after all, I'm more important than you. A lie also hurts those who are lied to because it weakens their ability to trust. I mean, it's obvious when, when someone learns that you lied to them, it only makes it much harder for them to trust you again somewhere down the road in the future. But it also makes it hard for them to trust somebody else, sometimes even anybody else. And what we're going to begin to see here is that without trust, it is hard to enjoy relationships with others. And when we lie to others and we rob them of the ability to trust others, in the end, we're also undermining their ability to enjoy relationships with others. A lying tongue hates and hurts. 
Secondly, a lying tongue hurts those who are lied about. And again, the imagery here that Solomon gives us. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoals as charcoal to embers, and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. I mean, gossip can be hard to resist because it seems so delicious and juicy, and we want to have that insider information sometimes. But the worst kind of gossip is a gossip that is not even true. When we spread lies about someone, when we give false testimony, when we make things up and add fuel to the rumors, we are slandering. In essence, we are ruining someone's character and reputation. And the image that Solomon uses here is that of adding wood to a fire. Such an apt description. Someone is grumbling about someone else, which we already know is a problem. And then we slide into the conversation with the latest juicy rumor or speculation about what that person is up to. And we throw another log on the fire. A little more fuel, a little more gasoline to set the blaze even bigger. Talk about burning someone. In Proverbs, we read elsewhere, like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is one who gives false testimony against a neighbor. I mean, hit somebody with a club, stab them with a knife, or assassinate their character. It is assault no matter how you put it. And once our slanderous words are out, trying to gather them back in is like trying to gather back the seeds of a dandelion once we've set them off to the wind with one single A lying tongue hates and hurts. Thirdly, a lying tongue hurts those who are doing the lying. A malicious man, the writer of Proverbs says, a malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. Though his speech is charming, do not believe him, for seven abominations fill his heart. His malice may be concealed by deception, but his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. You see, when we lie, we're only hurting ourselves because sooner or later, lies get exposed. Abraham Lincoln said, no man has a good enough memory to make a successful liar. In other words, and then, and then the writer goes on to say, as Solomon says, if a man digs a pit, in other words, to catch somebody else in a trap, if a man digs a pit, he will fall into it. If a man rolls a stone, it will roll back on him. In other words, when we tell a lie and think that we have gotten away with it, inevitably we will fall into the pit, we will fall into the trap of our own making. The stone that we set in place to roll over somebody else will wind up coming back on us. And I want you to know the damage that, it, that is caused when it does. 
When a lie is exposed, the credibility of the liar begins to crumble. And when all of a sudden people begin to recognize if, if this is conducted consistently in us, that you are a liar, who wants to hang out with a liar? Without truth, there is no trust. And without trust, there is no relationship. Someone who consistently lies sooner or later finds themselves going through life all by themselves. A lying tongue hates and hurts. And perhaps worst of all, I want you to consider who it is that we are aligning ourselves with and identifying ourselves with whenever we do lie. Jesus, talking to those who were the naysayers of his day, could very well have said these words to you and I whenever we lie. You belong to your father, the devil. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. No wonder the apostle Paul exhorts us. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices, do not lie to each other. This is where, my friends, how vital it is that you and I come before Almighty God in the humility of our hearts this day and plead before Him saying, search me, O God. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Because you see, my friends, more than anything else, Almighty God wants you and me to know the blessedness, to know the blessings of having relationship, not only with Him, but also with one another. To help us appreciate the dynamics of what makes this work, there's a simple equation that I want to share with you today. In fact, I encourage you, if you've got a place on your notes there, to write this down, to write it down so you can take it with me. Notice, what stands between trust and relationship? Truth over time. That's the symbolism there. Truth over time. As we consistently speak the truth and live in the truth with one another, what begins to develop on the front end? Trust. And where there is trust in time, what will also develop there? A relationship. But now let's back the truck up. What if you remove truth from the equation? What if in its place, it's lying over time, consistent lying, again and again? What goes away, first of all, from that equation? Trust. And what soon follows? Relationship. How vital it is that you and I, by God's grace, grow in being truth-tellers, consistent truth-tellers over time. God, save me from myself and how destructive I am to my own relationships because of lying that wants to erupt in my life. God, save me from myself. Protect my relationships from the lies, especially among those who are closest to me. My wife, my children, my family, my friends, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Almighty God, most importantly, you. Truth over time. Or, or truth over time develops trust, which results in relationship. 
And this is where, my friends, God certainly has proven His trustworthiness to you and to me over time through the promises that He has made and kept to you and to me, especially concerning our salvation through faith in Jesus. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of time when sin first entered into the world, sin came into the world predicated on a lie. Did God really say? And as a result of that lie, the relationship not only between Adam and Eve, but but us and God was broken and destroyed. And no sooner had sin entered into the world that God made a promise that one day He would send us someone who would save you and me from our sin and restore us in our relationship with Him. A truth that God, or, or, or a promise that God didn't make just once, but over and over again, along with multiple other promises. And let me ask you, my friends, did God keep that promise? Yes, He did. And because God spoke truth over time, that is what allows you and I to now trust in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And because we trust in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, what is the end result for you and for me? Relationship. Relationship not only with Almighty God, but relationship also with one another. I find it interesting, it was just before going, in the hours before going to the cross of Calvary, that Jesus said in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. My friends, as you and I grow more and more in walking in the truth with Jesus as our Savior, let us also learn more and more to walk in the truth with one another. I love the several ways in Ephesians 4 the Apostle Paul uh, challenges us. He says, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. Notice the context of relationship that he's talking about there. He goes on, you are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by your deceitful desires. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. My dear friends, may we always be mindful of this, that where there is truth, there is trust. And where there is trust, there will also be relationship with God and with one another. So by God's grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit, May we grow more and more in aligning ourselves, in identifying ourselves with Him who is the way, the truth, and the life. God grant that to each of us for Jesus' sake. Amen? Amen.